Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ring the Bell podcast, home of the Believe in Network. That's Nick Kreider. That's former three-time Padres all-star Heath Bell. We are back in action. I'm back in the Hog HQ. Gentlemen, how are we doing? The Padres, we are weeks away from deadline day. What an interesting season. How's life treating you? Man, yeah, life, uh, life's treating me good. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's a roller coaster. Yeah, it's le- it treating me good because I was on the uh, on the lake hanging out um Padres finally won some games it's been miserable watching them lately but uh re- recently it was really nice to be see them uh beat up the Angels yeah it was, it it was, was nice, uh, nice to see them take care of Shohei Otani honestly <laughs> yeah yeah and I was worried when Juan Soto said Otani's gonna have a very difficult time against this lineup and I was like oh we're just asking for more billboard material and it was actually ironic. Soto was kind of the only Padre who didn't go well against Shohei Otani, but the rest of his lineup, guys like Jake Cronenworth, Xander Bogarts, and company kind of picked up the slack for otherwise a really last you know four or five weeks for Juan Soto um, and his offensive output. So, so here we are. Here, here's where we stand, ladies and gentlemen. The San Diego Padres are five games under 500. They're 41 and 46. This will be coming out and recording at the time of their off day. They host the 40 and 46 New York Mets. Very similar records. Very similar levels of disappointment. Very different issues. The New York Mets' issues have been their, their their pitching. You know, their bullpen and starting pitching have been an absolute mess. The San Diego Padres, you know, their bullpen been a little shaky as of late just because there's no depth, but their starting pitching and bullpen have been their strengths this year. Nonetheless, they are very in identical situations. They got their horses going on against one another. You got Darvish Verlander tomorrow on Friday night. Should be a very, I would say, pivotal three-game set for both teams. I think this could really change the trajectory of what Steve Cohen and Peter Seidler both want to do at the deadline. Let's rewind, though, before we get into that series and talk about the last three series for the San Diego Padres. They get swept in Pittsburgh. You hear Don Orsillo saying that's rock bottom. They lose a three-game set to the Cincinnati Reds. At that point, let's before we talk about the Angels, at that point, Nick, Where's your mind at with the San Diego Potters and what they should be doing before the trade deadline? I'll, I'll raise you one. Even the series before that, you know, dropping two against the Nationals. I mean, you just cannot let that happen. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago that this needs to be the get-right stretch, right, where you have to beat up on the teams that are struggling. I know the Reds have been playing good baseball, but you're a better team than the Cincinnati Reds. Um, you know, Ashcraft, the guy who has the astronomical ERA, couldn't, couldn't muster up more than one run against the guy. Could, could not understand why we couldn't hit against him. And it's a psychological thing at this point. But um, nice little piece of, uh, of playing here against the Angels. It, it does give you a little bit of hope. However, we've seen this team flip-flop back and forth. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's a roller coaster. You're going to get one team one day, the next team the next day. So you just have to sustain it. You have to continue to, to make this run and continue to play good baseball. And we're looking at the Mets series, and they're struggling. They have a nice four-game win streak. Hopefully get the, they get another W tonight against the Diamondbacks to make it five. 
but then come back to reality. Yeah, it's um, it's been tough to watch the Padres. The only thing I can see is the chemistry in the locker room sucks. You know, either they're not coming together as a team, you know, and last year we kind of saw this at the after the All-Star break. Um, so they're they're pretending to be a team and they're really not a team or management and coaching staff and players are not seeing eye to eye or it's about like what I've been talking about is who's our leadoff guy, who's our two hole guy. You just show up and it's like, well, what is mathematical? What does cybermetrics say? Where should I hit today off this guy? You know, and now it's like maybe, uh, you know, we had Kim up to lead off some of the games and he did well. And then all of a sudden he got thrown down to the bottom of the lineup. You know, I don't understand. Or maybe he had one bad game and it's like, oh, you, you suck. That's a good point. In the lineup. Think about that. It's it's one of those things that like you have to be perfect every single time. So whoever's making the lineup, I think, is probably part of the reason. I don't think it's Bob Melvin, but um, so whoever's making the lineup is it's not good, good team chemistry. And whoever's making the lineup is part of the problem, I think, in San Diego right now. I think two things to the lineup point. One. I love seeing Kim lead off. I think he should be our leadoff guy. I, I really do. He steals bases, gets on. I like seeing him take a bats. Uh, two, Bob Melvin came out and said something about Tatis recently. He praised him for basically saying he accepts anywhere he plays in the lineup. He's always excited to go out there and play. That's something that I love about Fernando. Um, you know, every opportunity he welcomes, whether it be a position change, whether it be hitting first, second, third, fourth, he'll welcome anything. I think that's also kind of a jab at some of the guys in the locker room that might be pushing back on where they hit in the lineup, right? Whether that be Soto, Bogarts, Machado, we don't know who it is. We can probably formulate some guesses. But I think the praise for Tatis was also a quick little jab to be like, hey, be more like Nando. Bob yeah. Melvin's also been a little bit visibly frustrated. I can tell from some of his post-game pressures when they ask him, is Hayter going to go today? What's the state? He, it, it seems like he's almost passively, aggressively jabbing. At, 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 he has no depth in his bullpen. Your guy Steven Wilson goes down in, in your bullpen. Nick Martinez has been heavily struggling, and you're really relying on him. Yeah, There's no one really that Bob Melvin has in this bullpen at this point, especially with Robert Suarez being hurt. But, I mean, I think Heath made a great point on Hassan Kim. This guy's been unbelievable, and I and I was so wrong on Hassan Kim. I mean, I thought – I mean, now that, that looks like one of Preller's good contracts. This guy makes $7 million a year. He's a four-war player already at this point. He's actually hitting the ball – Really well, but Heath, I want to go back to your point. I want to hear your thoughts on this. You mentioned the Padres clubhouse not being potentially great. Well, we thought the biggest glue guy would be a guy Nelson Cruz. You know, maybe he wouldn't give you a ton of production on the field. They just designated him for assignment. Um, thoughts on that? I feel like that's a guy who glues things together even when things are bad. And who cares? I don't care if he's not hitting. Matt Carpenter ain't hitting either. DFA him. Well, here's the thing. Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz is hitting better than Carpenter, hitting better than um, Brandon Dixon. Dixon. Yep. And it's cheaper. And, but, but my whole thing is like, why? why? You know, they, they per the comment like, well, we need somebody fast off the lineup. And, you know, but if um, Conworth is not going to be your everyday first baseman, Cruz plays first. First baseman is not that hard to play. You know, you just run out, you know, and you can DH. He's, you know, Cruz's DH for a long period of time. He's got more power than all the other DHs. He's hitting a power higher batting average than all the other DHs. So it's something I, I don't, I believe that, you know, AJ, and I'm going to say this again, I'll probably say it a million times. One, he's not doing a good job because he's all about the numbers and you forget about the baseball aspect, the, cl the clubhouse, team chemistry, 
you can't mathematically equate team chemistry. And Nelson Cruz was one of those guys. And I know team wasn't playing well with him, but maybe he was trying to do something. Maybe he wasn't, you know, doing a, maybe he was getting mad at some other guys, but you can see like, you know, um, you know, the comment about Tatis, you know, he loves being out there. He he's excited to be in the lineup every, every, you know, if he's hitting first, second, seventh, fourth, whatever it is, you know, Bob Melvin's probably giving a jab to a lot of other people because they want to hit this. They want to hit that. And Bob Melvin's probably hands are tied because, you know, he's probably getting a lineup every day. And, you know, it's like, this is how we face this guy. This is how we face this guy. So it's um, I'm not happy with Cruz. You know, I feel like I, I have no idea what AJ is doing. I think he's just rolling the dice and going, well, he's a right-handed hitter. He doesn't run as fast. So I'm going to keep the other guys. The guys are lefty. They run a he little replaced faster. him with Matthew Batten, who can't hit for his life, but can provide positional flexibility. I mean, come well, on. it's just, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's like, why is Orr still on the team? You know, he was a good spark, but he's hitting, you know, 210. You know, yeah. Cruz just a couple days ago had five hits, was five for six in, in San Francisco. So, like, what, what, what's the deal? You're not playing them every single day. You know, I, you're, I just you're think they put in DFA carp. They couldn't DFA Carp because he's in the first year of a two-year, $12 million contract. I think they just couldn't do it. So so, but, so I, he's yeah. looking at numbers. He's not looking at the chemistry. He's not looking at the team. What's going to help the team out? He's like, well, okay, he's only had a one-year deal, so we could get rid of him. There were reports that came out, you know, speculation, obviously, but like from people close to the team and people, you know, on Twitter and Facebook kind of just like, you know, taking, taking away with it, but that – the organization, when it boils down to it, is kind of cheap. Yes, you spend a lot of money on the high premium superstars, Tatis, Machado, Soto, Bogarts, you know, Musgrove, Darvish. But if you look at kind of the base layer of everything, right, like the depth, even the staff, it's been ran in a cheap way. I've heard that, you know, they don't want to spend a bunch of money on, on video analysts, right, or scouting departments or why we don't have a hitting coach, you know, being cheap, what it comes down to. And so – Borner, you're saying it perfectly, right? You're looking at numbers instead of you're looking at actual chemistry or actual productivity. Carpenter is the the easy DFA, uh, you know, person that you should have gone and, and done that to. I know that he's got a big, you know, not big contract, but you know, you don't want DF, DFA someone yeah. that's owed six million dollars each year. He's not providing anything for this team. It's an auto out for the most part, you know, especially taking up a spot in lineup and. Cruz is hitting better than, you know, most guys in our lineup. So it's a head scratcher for sure. What it does tell me though, is that if they do, if they are buyers that they're going to look to add a bat, they're going to look to add someone to fill that DH position. Well, let's get into that. Right. So, so the Padres are five games under 500. They're 41 and 46. They're coming off a big series sweep against the angels. So sentiment may be a little bit changed. Now, if we were recording this 72 hours ago, the Padres were eight games under 500. They're currently six games out of the last wild card spot. The Marlins don't want to lose. Um, I still think you have to focus on yourselves. And here's the conundrum for the San Diego Padres. And, and I want I want to go here for a little, for a sec. Is you have starters, a guy in Blake Snell, who's can net you a haul at the trade deadline. He's been the best starter in the big leagues over the last two months. Career resurgence. You, you have a guy in Michael – well, he just wants to get paid. We talked about that yeah, with Heath yeah. earlier this year, and he's yeah, one yeah. of those guys. We Michael Waka is having a superb year. 
He has three more years under control. You have a club option. A guy in Seth Lugo is having a superb year. A guy in Josh Hader is having another all-star year and is probably going to want a nine-figure contract because Edwin Diaz got one. Okay? Those are just a few. You, some people even argued Hassan Kim. He's going to be a free agent next year, and you don't want to give him a huge deal. Soto. Soto. So yeah. with this current Padre team, do you buy, do you sell, or do you hold? Because people say just trade the big – you can't trade Machado, guys. You can't trade Chrono Ward's deal. You, you cannot trade Bogarts's deal. All right? You're not trading Fernando. You need a retool. I just – it's hard for me, Nick – to not consider selling. I mean, Blake Snell, we can replenish the farm with him and Hater tomorrow. So what do here's, you do? Here's the thing. Heath, really go ahead. Quick. I'm going to jump in. I think you you get rid of Soto, you get Whoa. rid of Snell, and you try to win this year slash next year. It's not working. Soto is getting on base, but nobody's hitting the ball. So what are you going to do? You're just going to wait forever? I mean, the guy doesn't steal bases. He's got like six stolen bags. You know, he's not leading the team. He sh- If he's on base that much – he should be having 10 plus stolen bases, especially with this year, you know, everybody's stealing more um, bases are closer now because the bases are bigger. So he's not really, you know, getting more runs for us really Snell. He doesn't have a winning record, you know? Yes. He's been the best pitcher of lately, but he's going to want to free. He's going to go out to free agency. You're not going to resign him. So go get something for him. And then hater, the guy does I to me personally, he I don't think he wants he's looking to get a free agency. He doesn't want to win this year. I mean, he wants to win, but it's the first time he p- played three days in a row and he really doesn't pitch back to back days early in the season. I thought it was Bob Melvin, you know, for whatever reason, but now it's coming out that Hater, you know, doesn't want to pitch two days in a row, three days in a row, this and that. He wants to be healthy. Well, a reliever never knows when they're gonna play. You go to the yard, you might play four days in a row, five days in a row, and then have seven days off because your team just either won big or your situation didn't come up. Yeah. Um, don't be a prima donna down there. So <laughs> I feel like even even get rid of Hater. Those three guys, Snell, Hater, and uh, Soto, I believe if you do it right, you could trade them, get somebody in the big leagues now, maybe not a big name, but somebody that's going to produce and hit the ball or play some good defense and maybe get one or two prospects in the minor leagues. You have to do it right. You can't just say, well, we're going to trade these guys and we're sellers. No, we're going to, we're like I said, the team chemistry is not working. So maybe we have too many guys that are free agencies that are just worried about themselves trying to get the big contracts. Maybe we got the guys that have big contracts, put it on back burner. I don't think that's true, but I feel like the free agent guys are not about winning. Now it's like, well, I'm going to produce my, my numbers this year and then get paid next year. Not about this year. You know, back in my day, you would play and it was all about, let's try to win this year. And then at the end of the year, if you had a good year and you tried to produce, then you go in and got paid. It's not like, okay, well, you know, I only want to play in about 40 games and I don't want to pitch back to back days because I know my numbers are a little bit better because I'm a prima donna and I want to get the max amount for me for next year. Or how about let's just win this year and have an incredible season and have memories, you know, having a ring on our finger and winning a championship and this and that. But we, I feel like we don't have that many guys in the clubhouse that want to do that. So if AJ's a good GM that everybody mm-hmm. early in the season said, and I don't believe, but I'm still, the, you know, he could show me wrong. Trade some of the big pieces like Schnell, like Hater, like Soto for, for pieces that we need this year possibly next year because we have a chance of winning this year and next year 
even if we lose those three guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there's a couple of things to consider here. One is, should we? Yeah. Are we? I don't know because of AJ. Like, I, you're saying it right there. I don't know how good of a GM he really is. And I feel like it's an ego and pride thing at this point. I'll say like, it. He's not good. Make, we're going to make right. it work with what we have here, right? Like, he, he, it's too much of a jab to his pride to blow it all up. Now, you got to look at it's, – it's a seller's market this year. It really is. There's too many competitive teams in baseball. You're going to get a king's ransom for whoever. Otani, of course, is the big fish that everyone's going to look at. I don't think we're going to be in the mix for trading for him. You know, we'll, we'll look to free agency if that's the case, you know, when he gets here. But angels are stupid not to trade him. You're not going to get anything, you know, when he's gone in free agency. You can get a king's ransom this year. The reason I mentioned Soto is because, look, you got one more year left of him. Are you really thinking that you're going to resign him? Or are you really going to make an aggressive push at Otani in free agency? If that's the case, let bygones be bygones. Get what you can for Soto right now while the value is high and he's not just a rental, he's a year and a half, right, on a team's contract. Get all the prospects and focus your money and attention on Otani because that's been the whole talk, you know, since the beginning of the season, since the last offseason. I'd like to get some MLB-ready players, right? Obviously, a couple farm pieces, but for Soto, look, this could be a crazy trade here, but look at what the Braves can do right here. They... Probably are the best team in baseball, but if they want to be undoubtedly the best team in baseball, maybe they make a play at Otani. Maybe they make a play to get someone at the deadline. For example, packaging Soto and Hader or Snell for a guy like Michael Harris, right? Who is on a cheap, pretty relatively cheap deal, who's an MLB-ready guy, who's an all-star this season, and a couple of farm pieces. Maybe that nets you a good return for Soto and Hader or, or Snell. I think you have to really look and see what the package is, but it's got to be something that has guys that are ready to perform right now. Well, you could also get Jansen. That's it. You know? He's ready yeah, to I, go. He can close out some games because we don't have. I don't think they're going to move. I don't think they're going to move Soto. And I, I don't, I don't know if they should, honestly, I, I'm, I'm more so looking at Snell and Hater. I mean, those are the ones for me are the, are the no brainer ones. Cause I, I think it's pretty obvious and I, and I hate to be this guy, but it's pretty obvious that Snell's, this is, due to a contract year you know oh, yeah. it's pretty obvious like you you've got to cash in on that and he's a southpaw um he's absolutely shoving he's a boris client he's gonna squeeze every single penny he can when it comes to this winter he's probably gonna want 180 190 million dollars and starting pitching is expensive and you can't build a sustained winner steve cohen said it you know we signed justin verlander we signed max scherzer that's great but that completely sunk our payroll you know you need to be able to develop starting pitching and if you already have 100 million tied up to musgrove you already have 120 tied up to you darvish who's going to be getting that money till he's 88 years old you're not going to want to give blake snell another 200 million dollars that's half a billion dollars for three pitchers I don't there's no to. chance they're going to bring him back so you might as well get a top 50 prospect for him in return that one's clear to me right yeah oh yeah well, like look at look at Waka, look at Lugo, and then you have Musgrove, and then you have you Darvish. There's four guys. Look, is he the, the Padres can win without Blake Snell? It's exactly. been the offense. The offense is the issue, and the health of their bullpen is an issue. And the reason I'd even consider trading a Hater is because you have a guy in Robert Suarez who was arguably better than him last year, who's about to come back from injury. And you know his velo has been down. I'm a little worried. Is it? I haven't seen that. Yeah, he topped out at 97 uh, the other day. And oh, it's 97. Hitting, I know, but he was, he was hitting one last year. Yeah, but when you get in a big league game and that atmosphere, 
that 97 turns into 100 miles an hour easily. He is 32 years old as well, though. You have to keep that. It doesn't matter. Trust me. I was I was 36 throwing 98. So it's 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 the adrenaline. You big shot. You're fine. Anyways, I I think this is going to be a a really interesting deadline, and I and I and I think at the end of the day, it's going to be up to Peter Seidler. You know, I'm really curious to know what the dynamic is like right now between Seidler and Preller because Seidler (laughs) continues to go publicly and say, Preller has my full support. We don't want to make any changes. We like structure. We like consistency. But when push comes to shove, and and Heath, I want to hear your take on this. We All we've done is praise Peter Seidler for his exuberant spending. But it's time that he needs to receive some criticism if – this team continues to underachieve, and they can't, and he doesn't get rid of this guy. They have not won 90 games in 10 years with A.J. Preller. Peter Seidler needs to get some of that blame if he doesn't make any moves with well, upper management. I think Peter Seidler right now is trying to say, hey, A.J., you got my full support, but basically between read between the lines, and it's you know he'll say, you got my full support, but if it doesn't work out, you're fired at the end of the year. Like you, I got your back this year. I'm not going to do anything midseason. You know, I'll support you, whatever you do. I'll believe in you. But if it doesn't work out, you're gone. Because first time he came here, he went out, got rid of our farm system and got a bunch of older guys. It was at the end of my career. Everybody was excited when Matt Kemp kid here and Kimbrell and everything didn't work. Then we traded everybody away and we, you know, we signed Shields at the time. Yes, we got Tatis for him, but nobody knew Tatis was going to be Tatis. And then we went with young guys and we had a bunch of, Young starters, they're not even in the big leagues right now. They all suck. But he was like, oh, these guys are so good. And he said, our farm system is great. And I'm saying, great. Who wins with the best farm system every year? Nobody. (laughs) And then he goes out and gets Machado. That was a big key. And then goes out, you know, um, and what? Gets Soto, Hosmer. Hosmer. But then it was one of those things as in Tatis, his big piece, did steroids. So maybe Mm -hmm. that, you know, Tatis is a very good player. But, you know, he got he's snubbed for the All-Star game this year because of steroids. He's going to yeah. have to do it again next year. But it's one of those things that maybe the character that the guys that he's getting aren't the greatest players, made team, great chemistry in the clubhouse. So now I'm going to spend all this money. I'm going to re-sign Machado. I'm going to go get Soto. I'm going to Tatis, you know, Conworth, give all these guys extra, you know, big money, this and that. You know, Seidler back there is like that other teams wouldn't do. Let's say, yeah, let's I, add that. I mean, I think the worst signing that we're going to come to talk about in years to come is Bogarts. I mean, we offered him a hundred million dollars than what any other team was offering him. Well, that's another reason. Like we had a shortstop. Yes. He was in steroids and all that, but we went out and overspent for a guy, but for a position we already had. So that doesn't, that's just weird to me. Even the, unless you're going to tell Tatis, like, look, you're going somewhere else. Well, you also had Kim, Heath. Heath, you also had Hassan Kim. Exactly. That's another thing. So that's where I think Seidler, if he doesn't fire AJ at the end of the year, if the Padres don't do well in the playoffs, like if they get there, okay, but if they don't win the first round, no, you, you GM, you should be gone because you're stuck with these guys for a very long you time. You could have used that money to extend Soto, or if you wanted to go crazy, get Soto and Otani, not Bogarts, if you wanted to, right? Exactly. But now you're now you're stuck with. I hate I hate saying stuck with Xander Bogarts because I know how great he was for the city of Boston. But listen, he's not he's not a, he's not a city of Boston guy now. He's a 31 year old aging superstar that we gave an 11 year deal to. That has I think, you know, now. the thing is, I think he's going to be fine over long term. I don't think he's going to be a great contract, but I think he'll be a fine contract. I think X will be just fine yeah. over the long period of time. It's contagious when nobody's hitting. 
And it's also True. contagious when everybody starts hitting. But I really believe, and you can't put a money, you can't put money on it. You can't figure this out, but you need team chemistry. You need to put these guys together. Are they in the clubhouse doing stuff together? Are they going out together? Are they on the road? Or are they a bunch of individual guys that just show up and try to play every day? Because here's another aspect, and I'm a big believer in, I know I'm the leadoff guy. You know, if I have a bad series, so be it. Next series is going to be better. I'm the leadoff guy. I'm the two-hole guy. You know, I start getting a relationship with my leadoff guy to the two-hole guy. Hey, if you get on, I'm going to try to hit the ball this way. I'm going to try to bunt. Hey, yeah, I'm going to steal on the second pitch. The third hole guy, the guys in the seventh, eighth, eighth, ninth hole, that you know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to do. You're like, you, you start realizing the guy in front of you likes running on first pitch or this or that, but you can't get comfortable with any of, you know, what day I'm showing up and this and that. It's just like, man, just roll the dice and see where I show up every day. And I feel like the guys are not comfortable in the clubhouse. And, you know, people can say, this is the big leagues. You should be a professional. Yes, but these are also human. Even though they're future Hall of Famers like Machado and some guys. But it's one of those things is you have to feel comfortable. You have to have like the manager's got your back. And if the manager and GM are fighting, then, you know, does the manager have your back? Does the GM have your back? What's the deal? Are the guys out there they're worried about free agency they're worried about getting paid or they're just worried about hey today's thursday we got to win today's game tomorrow's tomorrow let's worry about tomorrow today you know so that's really what we need to we need to figure out in the clubhouse that's where i think the clubhouse is struggling that's why i think the team's struggling remember we went to what was the concert last year nick bad bunny Bad Bunny. We need another Bad Bunny incident with our guys to go to a concert together, go somewhere, hang out, and I guarantee this team will start playing well again because we need to come together. Right now, like I will tell you, when I got traded to San Diego the year before in 06, Padres were going to the playoffs, and he got lost to the Cardinals again. I was with the New York Mets. We were going to the playoffs. I almost got traded for Scott Linebrink, and the reason – I didn't get traded on the ticker the last minute. It was my name. I was actually sitting in AAA at the time because I went up and down like nine times that year in 06 with the Mets. Thought I was traded. Well, anyway, the next year I talked to Kevin Towers in 07. I said, hey, what happened about that trade? You know, it was like mid-season. I felt like I could actually talk to the GM. I asked him, what happened about that trade? You know, last year I thought I was traded with you guys and not. And he goes, you know what? I went down to the guys, Trevor and a couple of other guys on the team and said, Hey, I'm thinking about trading Scott Linebrink for this guy in New York that I think could really help us out. You know, basically reliever for reliever. And the guys were like, Scott Linebrink's like our nucleus on the team. You know, he keeps everybody together. He keeps everybody Mm -hmm. loose. The guy that jokes on the plane does this on the bus, this and that we need him. He's kind of like our glue. And he, so Trevor um, Towers pulled the trade right at the last second, like last minute or so, he said, because the guys didn't want to lose that guy. So that's the difference between Kevin Towers and AJ. He was actually yeah, talking I to doubt, the guys. What do we I need? AJ's doing that. What's that? I doubt AJ's going down there now. No, AJ's him, hey, not talking to anybody. So it's it's just one of these. I'm pretty sure Machado, when he went, he didn't go to AJ when they brought Tatis opening day a couple of years ago. He went to Peter Seidler. He was like, we need this guy. He didn't, went, he didn't go to AJ because AJ probably doesn't listen to the players because AJ thinks he knows better. But that's the thing is you need a nucleus on the team. You need a guy that gets everybody together to hang out. Who's that fun guy on the team that everybody loves? Is it Kim? Maybe Kim's not <laughs> so. doing Kim things. Maybe, 
Coneworth, you know, he signed that big deal, but really struggling this year and feels like he's, you know, he's still young feeling like, well, maybe I shouldn't, you know, do too much because I'm young and this and that where you kind of need a, you know, nucleus. And I thought Cruz was that guy, but maybe Cruz, I don't know. It's just weird. He hits better than everybody else on the bench, but let's get rid of that guy. Probably really because money-wise. It's really hard to identify, like, who is, who's the leader? Like, who's the alpha on the team? Who's the guy who, like, people gravitate towards? I mean, I think you look across the league and, like, every team has one, you know, the captain. Like, obviously, Yankees got their judge, and, yeah, he's their best player. But, like, you know, th- there's guys that people gravitate towards for certain rosters. And I think there's just too many guys that maybe aren't as vocal, that aren't that, that leader. I mean, maybe Joe's our guy. Um, but even him, he seems like he's more of a you know reserved leader. Like he he leads by example. You know, like he's well, not a pitcher can't be of the team leader. It really exactly. Can't. It just yeah. you ha- it has to be Doesn't an everyday play player. Yeah, it it everyday guy. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. Maybe it's Machado that Machado's having an off year, so Machado's not doing stuff like he was last year. And apparently, there's, there's also reports that Machado and Bogarts don't get along. But but again, I think just losing causes all these reports to surface. You know, as a writer of oh, a yeah. team. You start to lose. Let's start to get bring out stories and get clicks and let me get a raise. And it's like that's media BS, right? I, I, it's hard to really buy into that because we all know the old adage, right, or adage, winning cures all. And you won't hear about any of this stuff uh, when the team's winning. So it's hard to believe what's real, what's not. But I think from the surface, you know, Heath, you brought it up, you can tell this team isn't close, right? You, it's obvious. And, and, and there's other times where last year when they were making that run, the whole Jorge Alfaro, let's effing go San Diego, all the guys jumping <laughs> yeah, in the, in the dugout cheering when he's doing his post-game interviews, you could tell that was a tight group. And, and, and chemistry sometimes succeeds the personnel and talent. And that's what, the, that's what the case was last year. It was a very talented pottery team last year. But this year, the talent's even at a different level. But when you're not getting along, when things aren't going right – doesn't matter, man. Money can't buy you wins, especially in baseball. And that's why it's such a beautiful game, the, the, the parody uh, of this sport. So, listen, I mean, time will tell. Three, three, four weeks from now, this we're going to know the, tra- the trajectory of this franchise. And I'm really curious to see what happens with AJ, what happens with you know his job. Because right now, you know, if you're a betting man, you're betting that the Potters aren't a postseason team. Now, it's not to say they won't be a postseason team, but Fangraphs right now has them at 29.7% chance making the playoffs which is pretty good, good. I, no yeah, I, I, I would say that's pretty good for a team that's five games below 509 games out of first place they're banking on our talent they're banking on our talent they continue to do so yeah it's you know? just if aj trust me aj if you're listening to this because i know you're not go make some good trades and it doesn't have to be a big name guy and it doesn't have to be a top prospect a guy that can just you know in the big leagues can help us now Somebody's yeah. hitting 290. Somebody's hitting 300. I need Candelario from, be... from Washington, and I need some bullpen arms. You need Lang from Detroit, maybe even Jordan Hicks from, from uh, the Cardinals. Go out and replenish the bullpen because they're gassed right now. Well, it's just You'll like I, I, know, he... I know the Angels wouldn't give up Mickey Moniak, but you could take him and put him in center field. He's a young guy from originally from Philly, but you know AJ wouldn't do that because he loves Grissom too much. He went yeah. to La Costa Canyon High School. You'll be surprised in San Diego. You'll be surprised. He, there, there's some Padres people who watch this stuff. So, hey, I'm not pulling back on my AJ. Players, no, I'm just so saying just... it's one of those things that, like, somebody like, you know, um, uh, <coughs> what, who was <laughs> just talking about? I'm drawing a blank right now. Kevin anyway, Towers. what's that? Kevin Towers? No, no. So, like, if we, you know, AJ loves uh, Grissom way too much. Oh, yeah. He hasn't produced. And you go get, um, 
Moniac. He is a San Diego guy. One, he'll bring a bunch of fans, but it's somebody that's hitting 300. Yeah, he doesn't have the power and this and that, but he falls in love with players too much. You know, yeah. go out and get somebody that is young that can produce, but is in the big leagues now that you see like somebody, somebody like me, Kevin Tower saw me. If you look at my numbers in New York, my first year ERA, I had a three and then I had a five the next year and a five the next year, but I only had like 25 or 30 innings in the big leagues my next two years where my last outing, I give up three runs, both outings where I had a three ERA and it jumped up to a five, my last outing. So you go find somebody like that, that like some other team for some reason, is just not using them in the right way. Right. And then bring them over here. So maybe like, you know, you guys usually us, we're not putting money in scouting. Go find some good scouts. That's usually us. And then teams take advantage of that. And then the players succeed. Well, that's the thing is Seattle went out and did that, but Seattle had a lot of Padre guys beforehand. So it's just one of those things that like, you got to go, you got to do your homework. You can't just look at the numbers. You can't just like, okay, what does this guy do off of this or this, that, is this guy being used right? Does he play all the time? Does it, this guy's an everyday player or this guy is a, is the great bench guy. You know, he could play one, one day a week and he gets one or two hits. Let's end on this. Many bats. Let, 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 let's end on this. Is there a number under 500 at 500 over 500 before, let's say July 31st at the deadline where you're like, you know what? I'm okay. If the Padres don't sell, I'm okay. If the Padres buy if they are at 500 at the end of July, Heath, what are you doing? And then let's hear from Nick. If they're at 500, yeah, I'm still I still sell sell one or two pieces, but not be a seller. I'm just trying to win this year. The only Retool. way that I'm the only way that I would say don't sell anybody, don't trade anybody, is literally if we're five or six games above 500 right now by the end of the month. Nick. We've got what, like 16 games left of July, I think. Something around yeah. that. Um, Huge three game set against the Mets, man. Huge. Yeah. I mean, that means they gotta they, they can't drop more than five games. Um I, I don't know if I see that happening, to be completely honest. I mean, you gotta play the Rangers three times. Phillies, Phillies. You gotta play Phil, Phillies four times. You know, we're heading to to Toronto. Um yeah, this Detroit. Mets series schedule. coming up. You know, it's a tough, yeah, it's a tough one. And look. Pirates just swept us. <laughs> we got to play them again. Um, it's really hard to say. I, I don't believe that they're going to sell just because, like I said, I think it's an ego thing. It's a pride thing. It's an AJ thing. I agree. But, but if I were the Padres sitting at 500, I'm selling Snell, I'm selling Hater, and I'm considering selling Soto. I agree. I'm selling Snell, I'm selling Hater, and I'm only trading Soto if I get a Godfather offer that that I'm that I'm you know okay with. I rather have Otani. Um, I really I rather have Otani. Oh, he's he's the best player in baseball, and it's not close right now. This guy is nuts. Uh, yeah. Well, that's he's gonna hit fifty bombs, and he might hit sixty bombs. Yeah, and he's also <laughs> just an ace. <laughs> he might hit sixty bombs. He's going to come to San Diego and hit 18 bombs and have a 7.85 ERA. No, that's not possible. He's too good. <laughs> hey, what if really quick, what would you guys do a trade? Would you trade Mickey Moniak, Otani for Hater, Snell, and Soto? Oh, yes. So yeah, doubt. but but I would, but I have, would need but a guarantee. Guarantee extension. Exactly. No, no. Here's yeah. a, Moniak is like under contract for the next like four years. Yeah, but that's more fool's gold, I think. He was he cannot He's hit better than Grissom. 
He was a former number one overall draft pick. 100, yeah, 130 at bats. Look at him the last three years. Can't hit a fastball for his life. I, I'm not buying it. I'm not all in on Moniak. Yeah, he's really struggled his entire career except this year. I think it would have to be like it's more the like, point of like what I did. The Phillies didn't use him properly. The Angels are using him properly. That's maybe. really what it boils down to. Could be. He's, yeah, he's gonna, been great. That's been that's great. the difference. They use him properly, where where Philly didn't. Mickey Moniak has a 1,000 OPS and a 158 OPS plus. That's how you know life is crazy. That's Nick Kreider. That's Heath Bell. I'm born in Nazario, everybody. Next time we'll talk to you, we'll have a little bit more of an insight if the Padres are buying, selling, or holding at the deadline. Make sure you guys go check us out on the Believe in Network, Believe.com. Go check us out on YouTube at the Hogwatch. Make sure you smash that like and subscribe button. We're signed out, everybody. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.